different kinds of prayer, um, and I won't cover all of them, um, but I just want to highlight some that I think are a little misunderstood or maybe just aren't talked about. Um, so when I was five, um, I can distinctly remember the room that I was in, um, the person that I prayed with um, when I said the prayer of salvation. Um, some of you may have that same story, um, but I loved it. I was so excited. Uh, my mom was so excited. She was the one who actually um, led me in that prayer. It was real simple, just one or two lines. Um, and I was so excited that night that I actually went to bed saying that prayer over and over and over. And I actually fell asleep saying it over and over and over. Just countless times um, I said it. So then the next morning, I wake up um, and I go to turn the lights on. And I have this thought pop into my head. What if salvation is like this light switch? What if when you say the prayer the first time, it's on and you're going to heaven, and the second time you say it, it's off, <laughs> and you're not going to heaven? This is obviously wrong, but that's where my mind went. And it just stuck with me for some reason. So I'm not even kidding, four months afterwards, the first thing I'd do when I'd wake up is I would say the prayer of salvation. And I would think to myself, well, I got a 50-50 shot. <laughs> Today, if, if I go, then at least I have a 50-50 shot that I'm going to heaven. And that's how I lived for like months after. That's my salvation story. <laughs> it's not glamorous. It's actually really dark. <laughs> but that's just how I thought it worked. And then I think it eventually ended a few months down the road when my mom heard me and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, you know, like the light switch thing. She's like, oh, no, <laughs> that's not how this works. And graciously led me back to where I needed to be. But my point with that is that it was a prayer of faith, right? That prayer when I was five was a prayer of faith. It was a prayer of salvation, faith that God would save me. When we pray a prayer of faith, we are praying with the confidence that God has the ability to do what he has promised. A prayer of faith doesn't just have to be for salvation. In fact, I'm more interested in you living a life of faith than I am you saying a prayer of faith. Because what's more impactful for this world? A life lived in faith, not just a prayer said. A prayer of faith, a prayer of salvation is a great starting point, but it is not a guarantee let me put it this way. Saying the prayer of salvation does not put you on railroad tracks. It gives you the keys to a four-wheeler. <laughs> Let me just tell you, saying the prayer of salvation does not set you on a track to get to heaven. It gives you the keys for the rough road ahead because let me tell you, Christianity, this thing that we call being a Christian, it's not easy. And I'm really, really sorry to whoever told you that it was because it's not it's really not. There's also another prayer of faith that we often see. It's the prayer uh, for healing. Praying for someone to be healed is a prayer of faith because it requires faith for someone to be healed. When we see someone's body miraculously healed by God, we are seeing a small piece of heaven invade the earth. That's really exciting. And if you've never experienced it, I can't begin to describe what it's like. But it's a prayer of faith that sparks it all. But let me tell you, healing is completely unnecessary. Stick with me. You don't need healing in heaven. 
Now, let me just tell you, God still heals. God still manifests himself through healing. That's one of the ways that we see heaven here on earth. And that's one of the ways as Christians that we're called to bring heaven onto earth is through prayers of faith that bring healing. But it is by no means necessary. God still heals because he loves you. And God still heals people because he goes above and beyond. James 5.15 puts it this way. The prayer of faith will save one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Let me pose a question to you. Does salvation or healing have a greater impact on you? If you see someone pray a prayer of salvation, pray a prayer of faith, to be saved, does that excite you more than someone, than, than actually seeing healing in front of your own eyes? Because let me pose this to you. One of them is temporary and one of them is eternal. And let me just tell you, heaven rejoices more with a salvation. Heaven rejoices more because they just got a new member. We should do the same. Please hear me, I'm not trying to discount healing I know that God still does it and he loves to do it. But let's shift our focus. Another type of prayer is a prayer of request or the Bible um, uses the word supplication. All it means is to bring a request. He already knows what your request is. Of course he does, he's God. That's kind of his thing. But he still wants to hear it. I've heard my wife tell stories over and 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 over again. But guess what? I never get tired of it. Do you know why? Because I love my wife and I love hearing my wife's voice. And it's something that I never get tired of. So how much more enticed is Jesus to hear from you? He wants to hear your voice. He wants to know more about you. He wants you to bring a request to him. Ephesians 6, 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. There's that word. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. What is God saying here? He's saying, talk to me all the time about you. And if you run out of things to talk about, Talk to me about other people. That's so cool. That, does that not sound like the best friend? Like, hey, what's going on in your life? Oh, well, I don't have much going on. Okay, well, tell me about other people in your life. That's what God says here. He wants to know about you, and he wants to know about the people around you. One of my favorite things to do in the Bible is to take creative liberty um, with different stories. So, in other words, the Bible tells us one thing, but it leaves details out, right? So a good example of this is um, Elisha um, and the Shunammite woman's boy. Um, so all you really need to know about this story is um, the Shunammite woman comes to Elisha, says, hey, you promised me a boy. That boy was born. Now he's dead. Go do something about it. And Elisha's like, okay, I'll go do something about that because that's what prophets did back then. So they, he went and he comes into this room and the boy's dead. Sure as she said it. So what does he do? He literally lies on top of the boy, goes hand to hand, nose to nose, and prays, God, please heal this boy. And nothing happens. 
So then he gets up, he walks around, he prays for a little bit, then he gets back on top and he puts his hands on his hands and his face on his face and he says, God, please heal this boy. And then the boy sneezes seven times. That's all the Bible says. Doesn't say where Elisha was, doesn't say where the boy was. My question to you is, was Elisha like right there? Cause that's disgusting. Ugh, that's gross. Social distancing, no way. That is not what was happening there. That's the kind of conversations I have with God. That's what he wants to hear from you. Take creative liberty with the Bible. Ask God questions, not to get an answer, but to build relationship. Smith Wigglesworth says it like this, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at a time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, and there's that word, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. There's this word that we don't hear in the church a lot. It's called lament. And it's basically just a fancy word that means an ugly, beautiful prayer. Let me explain. The definition is a passionate expression of sorrow. We are not taught the difference between complaining and lamenting, and there's a big difference. Lamenting can sound like this. All I feel is pain, God. Why is this happening? Or even, this is a prayer God, I want to die. That's a prayer. That's not complaining. And let me just tell you, that's a prayer that God hears. He does not ignore that. That's lamenting. That is a passionate expression of sorrow. Some of you need permission to lament. Some of you have never had permission before to actually tell God how you feel about him. Because let's be real. If you were to lament to someone else, it would be so awkward and so unhealthy. Like, I don't know what to do in that situation if someone comes to me and says, why, why do I feel so much pain? Uh, <laughs> eat a Snickers, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. God is the recipient of our laments, not humans. Because let's get real. It's God we have the problem with, not humans. I don't care if you have an interpersonal problem with someone, it's really God that holds the key. Solomon, David, Job, and even Jesus lamented. But that's not something we talk about. So should you lament, pour out your passionate expression of sorrow to God because he wants to hear it. So how do I know the difference between complaining and lamenting, because to be honest, they can sound really similar sometimes. I offer you this. If you leave prayer heavier than when you went in, you weren't praying, you were complaining. Prayer is a transactional relationship between you and God. You go in with your burdens, you go in heavy, and you come out lighter. You come out with less burdens. Why? Because that's the God that we serve. We give him our baggage 
in return, he gives us grace and love and mercy. If you leave prayer heavier than you went in, you weren't praying, you were complaining. There's a prayer of thanksgiving. Read Psalms. Psalms is a prayer of thanksgiving, lament. A prayer of thanksgiving, lament. It's like the guy can't make up his mind. It's what it sounds like. God, you're amazing. God, why is this happening to me? God, thank you for who you are. God, this sucks. <laughs> That's just what it sounds like. But there's an important key to that. A prayer of thanksgiving is thanking God for what he's done. A prayer of worship, on the other hand, is thanking him for who he is. When someone comes up to you and they thank you for something that you did, I mean, it's worth something, right? But when someone comes up to you and thanks you for who you are, that means so much more to you. That's what God wants from you. A prayer of worship, thanking him for who he is. We need to live there. We need to constantly come back to that place. But let me just tell you, it is not enough to stay there. Some of you are lamenting over and over and over, and there's no prayer of worship. And you are in this place where depression can sneak up on you real easy because all you do is complain in your prayer time and you leave heavier than when you went in. That's not prayer. A prayer of worship balanced with a prayer of lament can look like an honest relationship, an honest conversation with God. But on the other hand of that, it's not just enough to worship. It's not just enough to come to God and say, I love you, you're so great, thanks for all this stuff, bye. That's not real. That's not an interpersonal, deep relationship. And that's what has to be built through prayer. Another kind of prayer is a prayer of intercession. Praying on someone else's behalf. We see this a lot of time um, with family. Um, Johanna's parents, in case you don't know, my wife's parents, they are missionaries in Africa. Um, Scott is her father's name. And um, Scott has a stepmom um, who is extremely in tune with the Spirit, who has an incredible prayer life. And she multiple times would be woken up in the middle of the night by the Holy Spirit who would say, pray for Scott, who was in Africa. She has no idea what's going on with him, but she interceded for him. And then later that day, found out that Scott, her son, was kidnapped by gunpoint and they have no idea why they let him go. That's interceding. That's praying on behalf of someone that you may not even know. And let me just tell you, it's real easy to pray for family, to intercede for them. It's real easy to intercede for friends, but it's not really easy to intercede for enemies. But guess what? That's what God calls you to do. That person that you think is against you, he's calling you to intercede for them. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 says, I urge you that supplication, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. It's not just friends and family. Now it's one thing for one person to intercede for another person. But I urge you, go read John 17. If you're ever down 
and you need encouragement, read John 17. It's literally Jesus interceding for you. Like, it's one thing for me to pray for my wife. But to know that Jesus prays over my wife, that's incredible. And that's all that John 17 is. It is so encouraging. Please go and read it. And not only that, but in different places, it also says that God intercedes for you. You know that guy that like made everything? That guy, he's the one praying for you. No one knows you better than he does, and he's praying for you. That's incredible, and that's the reality that we live in day in and day out. The last kind of prayer that I want to talk about tonight is praying in the Spirit, or you may have, call, or you may have heard it called praying in tongues. There's a lot of controversy on this topic, so I just want to give you what the Bible says about it. 1 Corinthians 14, 1-2 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Verse 2, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters the mysteries of the Spirit. Tongues is simply a heavenly language, a gift that can be used to speak directly to God. Have you guys ever wondered why we end our prayers in English with, in Jesus' name? Like, that's always something we do, and we were kind of raised with it, and it sounds natural, in Jesus' name, amen, right? But the reason that we do that is because Jesus is the vessel that we use to get to God. Jesus, dying on the cross, opened up an avenue, opened up a link for us to get to God. That's why we say, in Jesus' name. You can pray without saying, in Jesus' name, but it's symbolic of, Jesus, you died on the cross for me, that's why I'm praying, in Jesus' name. Because you are taking the message of my prayer to God. Praying in the Spirit, the last part of that verse that we just read, says, they pray the mysteries of the Spirit. They pray the mysteries in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, praise the perfect will of God in your life. Let me pose this to you. If God were to come down right now, look at you in the eyes, and tell you where you were going to end up in life, you would drop everything. You wouldn't want to do it. I'm serious. I, I would be scared to death if Jesus came down and said, this is where you're going to end up. This is how long you're going to live. I, would, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't want that, right? There's a reason that there are mysteries in this life, and it's because Jesus loves you enough to not tell you. <laughs> but when you pray in the Spirit, when you're praying in tongues, you are actually praying that perfect will of the Father in your life. You don't, you don't know what you need, but the Spirit does. That's why when the Spirit prays through you, He's praying exactly what you need. Let me break this down a little bit. There are two kinds of tongues. There are two kinds of praying in the Spirit that we see in the Bible. There's the public kind, and there's the private kind. So let's talk about the public kind. This is the kind we normally see in church. You may have seen it a time or two in church. This is when someone starts speaking in tongues in a congregation. 
Let me just put a couple things on that so that you can understand it better. When a prayer in tongues is given in a congregation in public, it must be followed by an interpretation or it is useless. It is meant to instruct and build up the church similar to prophecy. That's why at the beginning of that verse that we read, he said, I wish you would speak in prophecy. Because let's be real, if you walked into a church for the first time in your life, you've never been to church before, and you see someone stand up and start blabbering in tongues, nope, I'm going to get up and leave that church. But if I see someone stand up and bring a word of encouragement and a prophecy over me that's meant to build me up, that's going to ring true in here. That's why there's tongues and interpretation and prophecy. If you want more context on that, please read 1 Corinthians 14, 5 through 6. That public kind of prayer that I'm talking about, that's also what we see in Acts chapter 2 whenever they come down from the upper room and start speaking in other languages. It's really complex, and I would love to talk to you more about it, but I just don't have time right now. And the second kind is the private, the secret place. This is when you speak in tongues to yourself. It does not need an interpretation, and it's meant to build up your inner man. It's meant to build up your spirit man. I don't want to know what I'm praying because God's will for my life probably looks a lot different than my will for my life looks. And if I'm able to pray the perfect will of God over my life, why wouldn't I do that? Please hear me. Tongues is a gift. If you don't get a gift on your birthday, is it still your birthday? If you don't get a gift on your birthday, is it still your birthday? Yes, of course. That would be the lamest requirement for a holiday ever. It's only your birthday if you get a gift? Of course not. If you can't speak in tongues, does the Holy Spirit not live in you? Of course not. Tongues is not God's stamp of approval. If someone can speak in tongues and someone else doesn't, that doesn't mean the person that speaks in tongues has more favor with God. That doesn't mean the person who can speak in tongues is a better Christian than the one who can't. It simply means that they've received a gift. That's it. There are corrupt people who speak in tongues just like there are corrupt people in every aspect of this life. Tongues is not God's stamp of approval. And please, please, please never let someone make you feel less than because you don't speak in tongues. There is no shame. There is no guilt. You are not going to hell if you don't speak in tongues. It is not a requirement. It is a gift. I want you to hear me in all of this. Jesus loves to hear from you. He is for you. Whether you're lamenting, whether you're interceding for someone, whether you're just praising him, the fact that you're talking to him is what he cares about. 